When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Another segment, Hoop Du Jour, Nancy Lieberman, uh, two Queens kids just uh, chopping it up, as they say, right? Yeah. We've been talking about doing, doing a, uh, an interview for a long, long time. I'm, I'm really pleased that, that you could make the time for me. No, thank you for having me. I so respect everything you've done in your career and I was telling somebody today that you know what Stephen A. Smith does today you started I mean you were the man the authority that people listen to were afraid of you know you you how you got your information is still unbelievable because there weren't text and emails and social media you actually had to to do some you know relationship building with that people. Was, that was the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was they all... They trusted you. We all, trusted you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was just... Uh, I, You know, I, I take offense to uh, being uh, compared to Stephen A. Because to me, he's not an information guy. He's just talking. And so, I, you know, I, I was all about uh, enlightening and breaking stories and stuff like that. I, I don't know if he's ever broken a big story, but, but whatever. Know, but every generation, I, okay. you know what I mean? Like, there are other guys that do that, do what I did then, but... But um, you did it your way. You know, Stephen A has become so influential his way. And, you know, it's like, it's like comparing generations of players. Each of us did it our way. So both of you were powerful. I tried, I tried to convince him when he started. We're both from Hollis, Queens. And uh, so he worked at the Daily News, where I started the Daily News. I was always trying to convince him not to go the way he went. You know, I thought that he should have, and he didn't listen to me. And look at the money he's made he's, by not listening to me. He's done, he's done fantastic. <laughs> he really has. I think it's been amazing what he's done. Nancy, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, we're in, we're in Salt Lake City doing this. And yesterday, I was amazed that... You know, when you saw a guy from my high school in in the uh, in the in the hallway, you you flipped over him. Tell 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 the people about uh, who we ran into. Well, before you know, we became these whatever you call us legends or goats or pioneers or trailblazers. We all started somewhere. And for me, growing up in New York, you know, like in in seventy three, seventy four, you know, nobody really. There were no female heroes for me. So I would go down to PS 104 and play with the guys. I'd go, you know. Where's, where's PS 104? Uh, in Far Rockaway. Far Kansas. Rockaway, okay. And then I'd go to Beach 17th Street in Far Rockaway. And it was, you know, Kevin Joyce, Brian Winters, guys like that, Laverne Tart, uh, who played in the ABA. They would always be down there playing. And I was the little red-headed kid, you know, hands through the, you know, fence with my nose sticking out. I couldn't believe they were playing pickup. And one day, you know, Kevin Joyce and, and Brian were like, and I was like, who are they talking to? And they brought me out. How old were you then? I had to be about 14. 
um, maybe 14 years old. And they were in high school at the time? Or they were in college? Uh, I think they were in college. Oh, in college. So, they so came home. Both, those, both those guys, Winters and Joyce, went to Archbishop Malloy, mm -hmm. where I went to school. And so yesterday, you we bumped into Kevin Joyce and his daughter. It, it was pretty phenomenal, because <laughs> no matter who we think we are, we had a story somewhere. And, and for me to meet, really, in earnest, Kevin Joyce, uh, it was... It was fantastic. It was like me being with, with Wilt, you know, or, really? or Kareem or some of those guys because of the influence that he had on, on my career. So it was, it was pretty phenomenal. So there are a lot of people out there that were going to say, Kevin, Kevin Joyce, who, who is that? Well, Kevin Joyce, uh, so people know, he was one probably top five players in New York City history uh, playing at Archbishop Malloy. And then he went down to South Carolina with Brian Robert. Winters. And, uh -huh. and played for uh, Frank, Fra McGuire. Frank McGuire, and uh, yeah, so so you know that's that's who Kevin was, and he also played on the '72 Olympic team that lost to the Russians in that controversial controversial yeah. final. It's a great shooter, great player, great. So it was fun for me, but that's what All Star Weekend's about. You know, you can't walk five feet without seeing somebody maybe from your past, the now, or somebody who at some point. Uh, this is like a, a glorified locker room of love and respect <laughs> and good way of putting it in how I have been treated in my career you know since 75 or so the, the, the kindness is overwhelming well what happened when you went on the other side of that fence I got a chance to go out there and they set me up for success they'd make sure I got the basketball or they passed me the ball because you know if you're playing street ball you can ice somebody out I mean technically you can play but they can ice you out and not give you the basketball and they mm -hmm. would set some screens for me you know nobody was running plays but they'd make running sure full court yeah full court but nobody um, you know they just made sure that I got the ball and got some shots and you know felt good about myself I don't even know if that's how they felt but that's how what they acted upon. Right. Did you know you could play at that at that point? Did you know how good you were? No, I knew I needed to play because of what was happening in my my home. You know, with my family and my no father, and you know we were poor, no food, no heat, no electricity. That bad. Yeah, uh, one grandparent away from food stamps, and I was I had a really angry childhood. I hid it behind sports. Because as I started to progress and get older, I knew that people were looking up to me. And I didn't want to let them down. Like, I didn't want them to think I was a victim. So, you know, I there were a lot of Nancy can't moments. Nancy can't do this. Nancy can't play. Nancy's too stupid to play in college. Nancy, yeah, I, I got so tired of the negativity and sports. Sports was only a positive for me. Because if you were good in the streets... I'll take the girl. And when they said, I'll take the girl, it was like saying, you love me. Things that mm -hmm. I didn't get in my house, I was getting on the streets. Why, why were you so angry? Well, I mean, I was angry because I never had a birthday. I was angry because um, my father wasn't around. I was angry because I was told girls don't play sports. What's wrong with your daughter? Maybe mm -hmm. she should see a psychologist. They're not saying that to Sabrina and Eskew now. They're going, mm -hmm. man, you're doing a great job. Society has changed. Culture has changed. We are revered for who we are now. We don't have to hide who we are. And, you know, I was championed by the black community. And that's why I'm such a racial and social justice 
advocate and activist uh, for the black and brown community because when I had nothing, they were like, fire, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would go into the projects. I was protected. Nobody touched me in the projects. Projects where? In Queens or Manhattan? In Far Rockaway, in Brooklyn, Uh um, Redfern, you know, the projects where some of my friends lived. And quite frankly, you know, when I started going to Rucker Park, at 13 or so, 12, 13 years old, I would take money out of my mom's wallet. I would get on the A train, transfer and change trains in, in New York, get on the E and get off on 155th right by Rucker. Had t-shirts in my jacket, looked menacing at 110 pounds. I would glare at people on the train, like do it to them before they did it to you. Really? And, then and you were traveling alone? By myself. My mom thought I was at PS 104 mm-hmm. across the street. And the guys would look at me and go, little girl, do you know where you are? I said, yeah, to you. And they were like, <laughs> you know you're at Rucker Park. I said, yeah. Is your name Rucker? And the guy goes, no. I said, good, it ain't your park. And I want to play. And my mom don't know I'm here. And they're like, where, where did you come from? I said, Far Rockaway. They said, you, they, you they took the train? They couldn't believe it, right? And I wasn't afraid. Right. And, and I think that was the overwhelming connection, is I wasn't afraid. And I was like, can you help me? Because I really need to be good. And I know you guys are good. They drive the train home, back to Rockaway. And I walked in my house, and my mother was like, where were you? I went to the park. You weren't there. I said, I went to Harlem. I went to Rucker Park. What the hell are you doing in Rucker Park? I didn't know about Rucker Park. Um, my uh, coaches in, at Far Rockaway High School, and I would hear them talk about the best players. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Played at Rucker Park, you know, 73. So I, my teams were playing up there then. Yeah. Did you, see, did you go to the games when they were playing on the weekend? Well, once I started going. You did? And I, I would I would sit up in the trees and I would you know watch them. Watch so you the saw Julius you saw Julius serving play. I, I never saw Julius never play. Saw I okay. saw Arnold Duggar, um, okay. Joey Hammond. Okay. And but I was going back all the time to play and like for me I always wanted to come back. You know, remember this the the four foot trophies? Mm-hmm. That was like the badge of honor, the champion, the MVP. Wanted to bring that and, home. And I would ride the train and people would be asking me <laughs> about the trophy. <laughs> I I'm, I had, there was a guy, Lavoisier Lamar, uh-huh. who was my AAU coach, and his house, his apartment was just full of trophies, hundreds. He was always winning, and I was now part of his winning mentality, and uh, it was amazing, because those trophies. No furniture, just trophies? Trophies, <laughs> trophies. So, you know, just the respect at the park. And you know, the cool thing about Rucker, or any park for that matter, you know this, first five people to hit, yeah. play. Yeah. And it didn't matter how big, strong, how right. high you jumped. Make the shot. I would go home and i just work on my foul shooting, work on my foul shooting. Because if you played the to first the game, game. you played a 15. If you win, you played a 12, or 11, excuse me, the second game. And then if you win both games, you sit off then. So it could be a 40 minute or so different. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So there was a strategy to playing streetball. That's that's. It, it was amazing. I love those guys. That's good stuff. I like that. 
you know, we, we, uh, we've talked in the past about uh, your relationship. I mean, we could talk about your career forever. I, I've read all the statistics. I, I, the one thing I do, do want to ask you about, did your mother really uh, <laughs> punctured, punctured the basketball? Seven. seven. How did seven. you have seven basketballs in your house? So, so she was dribbling around in her house, and her mom said, enough noise, you know, stop the dribbling. You didn't stop. You didn't listen to her. And she got a screwdriver and punctured. punctured my Actually, yes. It happened. It's a true story. What the hell? So there was a, you know, a, like a sporting goods store in town. Um, and when I had a paper route uh, with Long Island Press, and I would, that was the only money I had. And I would go in there and get balls and put them in my closet. And um, this one day, my mom was so mad. She was sleeping. It was cold out. I didn't want to, so I was just dribbling around the house. Between that and the fingerprints on the wall and the ceiling <laughs> with my dirty hands. <laughs> you bring back memories, I remember. <laughs> it, you could just see it oh, going funny. up. We and all used like, to do that. Huh? It's <laughs> like, you know, you take your kid and you, you yeah. line them up to see how tall they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the measure for oh, me, I mean, it's funny because, like, when I was at Rucker Park, I was five foot eight. I could, I could uh, touch the rim. And then as I got a little oh. older, I could dunk a tennis ball. And it, I was like the carnival monkey at Rucker Park. <laughs> They'd go, fire, hang on the rim. And i go, fire. okay, because of my yeah, red, right. and my personality. <laughs> and I'd jump and I'd be, and I'm like, they say, you can come down now. And I'd let go. But even on like the Olympic team when I was in high school, and if it wasn't for those guys, my friends at Rucker pushing me, being physical with me, um, treating me like I was a, another guy. That's why I made the Pan Am at 16 and made the Olympic team at 17. Yeah, youngest, youngest ever, right? Ever. To make, make the Olympic Male team. That was the first, the first time that the women were playing in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. uh, was that in? 76, uh, Montreal. Montreal. It's crazy. You, you got the silver, who beat you? Russia. And Russia, of course. Russia yeah. and Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, but we ended up uh, meddling. There's an, oh. There's nothing like standing on that podium and bending over and having them put that metal on your neck. It still gives me chills. I, I, I would love to feel that thrill. It, what? It, to see the American flag. And where is your medal? Uh, I have it in my house in, in Dallas. Um, I have my, in a trophy room. I have all my medals. Is that the most important one? It is. I mean, you've won championships. You've won, yeah, we yeah. won championships at Old Dominion back to back. Yes you know, coaching championships and winning is hard, but I will say this, you play, you try out for you as an Olympian for the United States, but you play for your country and you're playing for people you don't know and they're cheering for you and they don't know you. And it was, mm. uh, it's pretty unbelievable. And this is a, a, a mm. you, I'm, I bet you don't know this. You can ask Adrian Dantley. When you win your medal, like the men won their, their gold medal, they, somebody goes to the scorer's table and they go, this person, this person for drug testing. And Adrian Dantley was picked. They, until he passed his drug test, they wouldn't give the US the medal. The, they, whole, the whole team. Yeah, they picked me and I'm looking at Billy Moore, my coach, and I'm like, they should drug test Ann Myers or Lucy Harris. <laughs> They're the stars, and he goes, no, number 10. Oh, boy. So I go in there to, and I had stage fright, because you go into this 
this is so true. You go into the stall and the woman comes in with you and I'm like, what are you doing in here? She goes, I have to watch you pee. I, I can't pee with you in here. So it was like an hour and a half and you know, coaches, players are coming in. Nancy, you have, you have to pee. I said, I cannot pee with her in the room, in the stall with me. And so they gave me apple juice. They gave me water. They say, have a beer. I don't drink. So finally, like an hour and a half later, the lady goes, let's try this. She gives me the cup. I, she's behind me. So I'm just like this. She goes, I need to see you. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want me to do? Oh my God. It was it's so embarrassing. I'm sure we're not filming. So, um, <laughs> so I am responsible for America getting their silver medal. So I went to, uh, to uh, Greece to interview Tony Kukoc before he committed to Bulls. Sent there to get his, his commitment. So, you know, we'd have an exclusive at NBC. He had, he couldn't pee after the game that, that they You're could, dehydrated. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. So we couldn't interview him. <laughs> and then we had to follow him to Italy to get the interview, which we wound up getting, but it's the same, same type of thing. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. Either. People don't realize it. So, so, you know, you, you've been telling me for a while about, uh, and again, we could talk about everything that you've accomplished, but I'm sure everybody else has done that whenever they've spoken to you. But you've never, you've never spoken about your relationship with Muhammad Ali. Would you mind doing that for us today? And what, what he meant to you, what you meant to him, and how, how it all happened? It's crazy. I fell in love with this man at 10 years old, like when I was hopeless and helpless. And I come in the house one day and I hear this voice on the TV. I'm the greatest of all time. I'll be Joe Frazier like I be George Foreman. Like I be Sonny Liston back in 1964. <laughs> I'm too pretty not to be the champion of the world. Oh, I am the greatest of all times. And I was like mesmerized. I'm 10. I go to the kitchen and I'm like, my mom's in there and I go, I'm the greatest of all times. <laughs> I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to knock you out. She goes, why are you talking like that? I don't know, but I'm going to knock you out. She goes, I am your mother. I said, okay, I'm going to knock him out. She goes, him's your brother. He's going to be in trouble because I haven't been happy with him for a long time. <laughs> and I, I, I stand there and I said, you better get used to me. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to make history. And I, I ran in my room and cried. I don't have a clinical reason. There was no Oprah, there was no Phil. And I, so I <laughs> fell in love with this man. He guided me without knowing me. Every, I decided I'm gonna be a, commit myself to everything. I didn't go to parties, I didn't go to movies. I was playing, playing, playing. I stopped playing football, I stopped playing basket, uh, baseball. So I, that's how I ended up making the USA team. You know, and so um, I finally get a scholarship to go to college which I would not have been able to go if um, if I didn't make the U.S. team because now I was getting scholarship offers. We couldn't have paid for it. And even the USA tryout leading up to this Ali thing, when I made my first tryout, we didn't have the money. My mom goes, like, hell we are. We, I can't put food on the table. And you want me to fly you to Albuquerque, New Mexico? They wouldn't, they wouldn't fly you. 74. 
back then. So my high school athletic director, Barbara Sakowitz, she took a can of corn, cleaned it out, put a label over, you know, took the label off, put an envelope, we're endeavoring to raise money to send Nancy to the Olympic tryouts, USA tryouts. Strangers put money in a can. So, you know, really? now I go. I get to go play, I get offers, I go to college, we win the national championship, I'm player of the year in college basketball. So I am asked, I'm feeling fake good about myself. I'm still angry. Yeah. I'm angry about my father. I'm yeah. angry about not having anything. And uh, I'm going up the escalator. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the US Olympic Committee. It's at the Stock Exchange. So my mom, my best friend Barbara from high school, we're going up and I said, so like, who's the, who's the other athlete? And he goes, yeah, we're going in the green room right now. I go, like, who's the other athlete? He goes, uh, it's Muhammad Ali. Oh. And I went, this is December of 79. And I'm like, he's here? Muhammad Ali is here? And he goes, yeah, we're going in the room. I'm like, he's, I, like my, my heart was beating. Yeah. And the door opened and like, there he was. I, it was like that, huh, that Oprah moment. And my mother walks over to him. I have the picture, I'll show you. And she puts her hands around his neck and goes, Mr. Muhammad, my name is Rini, Rini Lieberman from Queens. And my daughter, my daughter is the greatest of all times. He goes, listen, lady, there's only one greatest of all times. It's me. <laughs> and so she goes, yeah, but Mr. Muhammad, I know you're good, but my daughter, <laughs> so you remember Howard Davis? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so Howard Davis, the late Howard Davis, right. he was on the Olympic team with me in boxing with Sugar Ray Leonard. He won the gold medal, and he was from Queens. So he's sitting there, and I'm, I'm like, he was my safe place. And he comes over, we hug each other, and Ali goes, the mom, the, the, the mom said she's good, and Howard's like, he goes, like how good? He goes. And so he, he goes like that. He goes, come here for a minute. And I walk over to the where he's sitting. And he goes, your mom says you're good. And I'm like, Mohammed, um, I'm no, um, I'm the greatest of all times. And he goes, there's two of us? I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mr. Mohammed, like I hit people all the time. I'm getting in fist fights all the time. And he goes, I'm going to ask you to stop getting in fights. And I go, you fight? He goes, I get paid to fight. He goes, you got to stop fighting. And he knew, he knew in that instance, he was never going to let me go. He says, can you, can you come back to the plaza when we're done? So we go back to the plaza. I'm there for, in the suite for four hours with him. He's talking about racism. He's talking about civil rights. He's talking about God. He's talking about philanthropy. He's talking about being a champion. My, my head was spinning. I'm in the room with Muhammad Ali. And he looks at me, he goes, Nancy, God made you special. And I went, you know God too? You know everybody. You know, Dick Schaap knows a lot of people too. But you, you know God? It, I didn't see you funny. It, it, I'm embarrassed to tell you I said that to him. And he knew he wasn't going to let me on the streets by myself. And he says, Nancy, God made you special. You, you're going to change the world. You're going to shake up the world. And people, you're going to be an influencer. And I'm like, you know, I have a game on Tuesday. 
I'm, I'm a senior in college, going into my senior year, and he's telling me I'm going to change the world. Peter, I didn't understand a thing he was saying, <laughs> but I, I know that we swapped numbers the old-fashioned way, uh -huh. addresses. He was calling me in college. Sports Curry Kirkpatrick did a 13-page feature on me, and he goes, Nancy, it's Champ. I said, hey, Champ. He says, I, I love the story. I, I read Sports Illustrated. He goes, we the real deal. I said, we, you trying to get into my career now? <laughs> and he goes, we, we. He wasn't mentioned in the 13 page. Yeah, he, he was. was. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. but the fact that he saw it, read it, called me. Okay. And he would just stay in touch with me. Every decision I had in life, uh, we would check in. Because there was no, like, boom, texting or tweeting each other. And he would just call me. And then, you know, Howard Bingham, uh, his photographer, I had Howard's information. If I couldn't get a hold of Muhammad, I'd call Howard. And then as my career just un unfolded, he, he would just pick up the phone. And I can remember I was in Omaha, Nebraska in like 1995, uh, 96, and there was the ABA, ABL, and the, the WNBA starting. And I was like, Muhammad, I have an offer from the, the uh, ABL. He says, I think you need to go to the WNBA. I know, but they're giving me a little less money. He goes, they're going to be here in 50 years. Mm. He said, you are, he said, you already played like AIW and we don't even know if that will be, you'll be recognized for your accomplishments as a two-time national champion or player of the year. And, you know, cause then the NCAA took it over. Mm -hmm. um, so he was always just so forthright, honest and protective of me. And then as history, and then, you know, him with Parkinson's, the, the blessing of the story is as he got sick and I became, you know, in women's athletics more prominent and then went on to the NBA side, I would call the house and Alani would say, he, can, can you come see him? He's been waiting for you. And I would come to the house and I would hold his hand and I would just- In Phoenix? Oh yeah. How much I love. So you have a place in Phoenix? I do. And, and he, that's where he lived, yeah. So I would just tell him how much I love him and how thankful I was for what he's poured into me, the, the love, the kindness, how he treated me like family. And like I would show him pictures of TJ and I said, Mom, this is my son TJ. He's good looking, right? He goes, he's, he's good looking. And I say, like his mother or his father? <laughs> Who are we talking about? Delani was like, <laughs> and he goes, like, like my girl, like my girl. Oh, my. Right, you're talking about me, not talking about other girls, right? <laughs> so we would always have fun. Yeah, we would yeah, sit yeah. when, uh, was it uh, Michigan's Duke? Was it Duke who played um, Butler? Michigan State or Duke? Uh, I think it was Duke and Butler. Right. You know, uh, when... Um, I have no idea. Brad Stevens <laughs> w w was at uh, Butler, and okay. we sat and watched the game together. I come off the golf course, I come to the house. He, he was just really special. Um, when um, I found out in 2015, when Vlade called me, 
said that the Kings were going to hire me to be an assistant coach. I was in the gym with Dale Harris um, and, and TJ at Plano West. And I'm like, you, you, you are? This is amazing. Mm. And he goes, Nancy, I talk to you tomorrow. Lonnie, Lonnie, it's Nancy. It, it, is Muhammad there? She goes, yeah, baby, what's wrong? I said, can you put him on speaker? Can you guys go on speaker? And she goes, yeah. I said, Lonnie, I just got hired by the Sacramento Kings. She goes, oh, Ali, she goes, champ is acting like he's shooting. I'm like, stop it. You know you can't shoot, and you're still mad that I came out of retirement more than you. And she goes, okay, let's get back to what you called for. And he's like, we're, we're going to her game. My first game in Phoenix at America West Arena, there's Ali. DeMarcus oh, and Rondo goodness. and Rudy Gay, they're like, oh, champ is here. And somebody goes, what's he doing here? And they go, you know, it's street cred. They go, that's, that's coach's friend. And he took pictures with everybody. He, he was so good to me. Lonnie calls me, she goes, baby, uh, 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 Muhammad has to do an appearance at Central Park West. It's a big fundraiser for millionaires and they're raising money for Parkinson's. And she goes, you know, Muhammad and I went, yes. She goes, honey, I didn't give you the date or time. Yeah, so yes, I yes, said it, yes. it didn't matter. Right. We did that. We went, to, this is cool. We, we went to Yankee Stadium. He was being honored on the field. So we had all these SUVs. I'm with him and Lonnie in the SUV. We got to Yankee Stadium in seven minutes. It, I mean, the, the sirens, locking streets, and I'm like, hey, if you guys go to another game, I'd really like to go. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the way to go. <laughs> and that you're underneath the stadium. Right. and right. So as much as I love him as my friend, my mentor, my hero, I, I always fangirled over him. I, there wasn't a time that I didn't want to hold his hand or just tell him how much I loved him. Mm. And he was so proud of me. Mm. And then like when he was getting, like he was getting sick and Lonnie, she just calls me one night when I was coaching in the G League. She goes, baby, she goes, pray, pray, pray now, pray now for Muhammad. I was praying. And then he had gotten pneumonia, but he, he overcame that. Then another time when it was the end, and she's like, baby, you got to pray. He, he, we need your prayers. I'm like, okay, I was praying. I was on the phone, you know, with the family. It was devastating when he died, and she was keeping me in the loop mm -hmm. um, every step of the way. Um, then we went to the funeral. In Louisville. And, uh, you know, everybody, the, pres the President Clinton was there, Billy Crystal was there, and, and I was sitting next to a gentleman, and he was the king of one of the countries, and um, he goes, I'm king so-and-so, and I go, I'm a king too. <laughs> and Billy Crystal was there, and he goes, I go, tell him I'm a king. And he goes, how can you be a king? I'm a Sacramento king. I always tell Billy, I am so funny and I never get paid. <laughs> he you goes, do, keep great. your day job. It's the first time I've ever heard that sense of humor. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, so this is like truly who I am. 
And so um, we go to the funeral. It was it was amazing, like the motorcade and going to the cemetery. But a couple months later, I was talking to Lonnie, and she goes, "Honey, Muhammad wants to see you." And I was like, "What?" I'm pretty conservative for my crazy life. I'm like, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Muhammad wants to see you." I was like, "Okay." And the next day, I got on a plane. I flew to Louisville. There was uh, police officers who picked me up, drove me to the cemetery. I, I'll show you the pictures. I sat there. I faced east. I wanted to face towards Mecca because he was that way in, in, in his tomb. He's facing Mecca east. I sat and I was like, what do you, are, are, are you okay? I know you don't have any pain. Um, I was like, thank you, you know, thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you, I'm here. It's just me and you. And it was like, just like, what do you want me to do? What are my next steps? He always kind of helped me on my next steps. And I was like, what is it I'm supposed to do? And he kept resonating with me. He used to say to me, Nancy, black people, the color of their skin, it makes them feel bad because of how they're treated. And I was like, this is when we were in the room in 79. And I didn't understand what he said. He said, like, if they're too dark or the people are afraid of them, or he, he used to tell me the sky is white and people love it. And the night is scary because it's black. And I was like, okay, anything that was dark was considered like a negative. And he was just telling me how, how black people feel internally. And I started to think about Ronald and Donald and Gary and Joe Hammond and Arnold Duggar and all the guys, Lamar, all the people, Laverne Tart that protected me, Dean Meminger. And I started to think, I, I didn't know they were unhappy. I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know their story because when we were together, there was like a happiness and fun mm -hmm. and we were enjoying each other. So I just felt, you know, people say, well, why are you a, a racial social justice activist today? I said, because I'm supposed to be doing this. I, I, I feel deep in my heart that I'm supposed to help um, the underserved community because I was, I'm a minority and I was the underserved community and strangers helped me and Ali helped me uh, Kobe, uh, Warren Buffett, there's been so many people in my life that, you know, kind of galvanized their time and energy for me. What, what was it about, why did she tell you to go to Louisville then? What, what was, it was a special day? No. And Lonnie's like, just like me and you, we're just kind of chill, we're not like, you know, the universe said, she said, go, and I did. And did you ask her? Did you ask her? Why? No, no, no. 
if she said it, it was for a reason. Okay. There's there's no reason for me to question that. Did you come away with a with a real good feeling about? It was what amazing. Yeah. It was amazing, and I apologized to him actually. The last time I was with them, okay, so we played. The Kings played. Was it sixteen? Did he die in in two thousand sixteen? Maybe. Double yeah. check me on yeah, this. I think so. We played our last game in Phoenix. It was like April 14th or something. And I Ubered to the house, as I always would drive. And uh, we had the game tonight, and I said, how's he doing? And she goes, you know, he's sleeping, not great. Okay, so in the house, the front door, the kitchen was here. I'd always come in, the living room was here. Bedrooms were here, bathrooms. I always used the bathroom here if I needed to. On that day, <clears throat> I um, I said I'm going to use the restroom to Lonnie. She was okay. I went through the living room, and I turned left. Never did that before. And I used the bed bathroom by the door. There was a bedroom door, and it was cracked. And there was a hospital bed in there, and Ali was there. And I came out, and I should have gone straight. And I didn't. I I went. I went to the door. And it was cracked open. And I went in the room. And I held his hand. I um. I knew I'd never see him again. And I just wanted to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. I came out and I never... How long did you stay in there? Two minutes. And I never said anything to Lonnie. Really? And I went back to the hotel we played. It was a while after when I was with Lonnie in maybe Phoenix. And I told her what I did. And I, you know, I apologized to her. I said, you've always given me the run of your house. And I, I went into Muhammad's room just to say goodbye. She goes, oh, she understood. She understood. And uh, and I wanted to thank you know thank him, but also apologize to him for going in his room. So and uh, it's it's like an amazing. Um, <clears throat> you know, people used to say that Ali was racist. And he hated white people, and he hated Jewish people, and he really? I loved everybody. Yeah, he did, yeah. Nobody loved Muhammad Ali more than Muhammad Ali, by the way. Everybody, lo he loved who he was <laughs> because he could go out and change the world and make people happy. Howard Bingham was telling me that Ali was driving, driving through, he was doing an appearance in New York, he was in a limo, and it was cold in New York, and you know, like Rocky, you know, guy's hands are warming up on the corner. And Ali says, stop the car. And the guy goes, champ, it's a bad neighborhood. He goes, stop the car. And Ali got out of the car, went over to the trash can with the fire, and just chopped it up with the guys for 5, 10, 15 minutes. High five, did a little, you know, shadow, <laughs> gave, showed the jab, got in the car and left. Oh, that's, that's who he is. Great stuff. That's who he is.
I, I met him, he came to a Dick Ebersol's uh, birthday party when I was working at NBC and he had this big party and Ali was the special guest. So I got down to meet him, I was with my wife at the time and uh, and he's like, you know, we're on the stage kind of way and he's like, he's like eyeing my wife. You know, I'm going, hey, hey champ, you know, hey, you know. He loved pretty women. So, so, uh, <laughs> I said, you know, none of that. And he faked a punch at me. I stumbled off the stage. <laughs> he faked him. I was like, whoa. He's amazing. Or he knew I was. He, he went like this to me, you know, basketball. He faked that punch. I said, oh, my God. Thank God I didn't fall down and stuff. You know, he was so smart. When he was uh, at the hospital in Phoenix, like, they were giving him all this incredible treatment. And he was like, whatever treatment I get you give to everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, he got sneakers. I, I, I don't know what sneaker company it was, but he made sure all the nurses and doctors got new sneakers and the patients. Ali was just Ali. I'd come to the house and he'd be showing me card tricks. And I'm like, no, you, you, you mess that one up. <laughs> and he, you know, we look at books together and he just gave me, and Lonnie gave me, all and full access to him for so long and I'm you know I'm still close with the family and they send me pictures of his granddaughter Zoe and I just I'm a better person because of Ali I do what I do for philanthropy Nancy Lieberman charities could be aka Muhammad Ali charities we've sent 90 high school seniors to college HBCUs. Um, we mentor them. We train with them. We help them get jobs. The dream courts that we have are all over. We've done two for Muhammad, one in Phoenix, one in Louisville. Um, we've got over five million kids a year on our courts with educational programs. It's all Ali. Your relationship with him, has it uh, made you less angry? Has it taken away your anger? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not angry. angry. I'm no angry. longer, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Okay. It's 2023 and God doesn't make mistakes. I am the right person for the right job at the right time. Whether it's doing TV for the Thunder, who I'm so grateful uh, to be a part of their organization. Or got a nice team, by the way. Great team. Yeah. Great people. Right. And then also to have Ice Cube as my boss. Oh. <laughs> and I'm going in my fifth year oh, in nice. the big three. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't ask for, you know, you're healthy, you're happy. I have a wonderful son. And he's how old now? 28. And he's playing over in, in Jerusalem. And he played for me in the big three last year. He'll play again this year. Mm. So it's um, as long as I can keep inspiring people helping people uh i don't actually like the word platform you know just as long as i can champion uh as a voice of reason uh, as a white person advocating for my friends of color and making this world a better place we're just we're all passing through no matter who we are how much money we have we're just passing through and it's not going in the urn or the coffin with us so what the hell are we doing I'm just doing my part, and I'm doing it with authenticity 
and love. Ali taught me, I'll end on this. He taught me the greatest religion in the world is love and kindness. He, he taught me to respect everybody and fear nobody. I don't fear, fear anybody. If I'm supposed to coach in the NBA, again, I will coach in the NBA. If I am not supposed to coach in the NBA, then that's, I don't want anything that I don't earn. Do you think we will see a woman head coach? I do, I do. It's it's taking longer. That's not in my hands. That would be my hope. Yeah. That would be my hope. I mean, Becky can do that. I can do that. There's other, a couple other women who have worked really, really hard or have grinded. Um, You know, we're not. I'm not the the flavor of the month. I'm 64 years old. I've been at this, but. You know, coaching, it's not our birthright to get a head coaching job. We have to earn it. There's really good, talented men, assistant coaches in the league that have given their life to this. I just have to show, you know, women just have to show, give us an opportunity. I tell people, hire me. And if I don't do a good job, fire me. It's, It's as easy as that. But somebody, be like Donnie Nelson, have the guts. Be like Pop, bringing, you know, Donnie made me a head coach. Be like Ice Cube, make me a head coach. Be like Pop, give somebody an opportunity. Don't make it optics, make it real. Good way to end. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hoop Du Jour with me, Peter Vesey, presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. You can listen to all Hoop Du Jour interviews by searching Legends Studios wherever you get your podcasts. 